0: Welcome to CCV, everybody. Whether you're on campus in person or online on your phone, you've chosen a great week to engage with us here at CCV as we kick off this series. Let's talk about it. We're talking about mental health, specifically these four topics. We're talking about anxiety, depression, addiction, and boundaries these issues are hurting a lot of people, and one in two of you. If it's not you, it's one person that you love who's next to you. And we want to engage in a way that's not just like biblically informed, but practically helpful for where you live, work, and play. And so you're going to notice immediately that if you're taking notes on the CCV mobile app, we've not provided sermon notes, because we don't We don't want to just give you words to write down. We want to give you resources to take away. So even if this is your very first time being at CCV, I would encourage you, go to your app store, download the mobile app, because right now we're going to provide you at least five different practical resources on dealing with anxiety. One of them, for instance, and we'll do this every week, is a full interview with a licensed local professional Christian counselor on the topic we're dealing with. And it's not just something that you can consume, it's something that you're able to share with people you love, people you work with, people you live around. It is so important for us to provide help for healthy lives. You see, our our vision here at CCV is to reach the entire valley for Jesus Christ. And and that doesn't just mean to us that we're going to provide spiritual health we care about your emotional health and your mental health and your physical health. And so it's, it's, a, it's vital for us to provide you the resources you need, not just for you to be healed, but so that you can provide healing for others. And look, God can use the pain that you're in right now. Often, our deepest pain is our highest platform. But our goal is not just for you to be healed, but as you become healed, the healthier you become, often the more helpful you become for others. That's our goal of this series. So let's let's dig in, can we? If I were to clarify, by the end of the message, I'm gonna actually provide six exercises that every one of you can do right now. Whether you're in the room, before you leave the room, you can do the exercises. (laughs) If you're watching in your living room, before you go to the kitchen, you can do these six exercises. Or if you're in the gym, before you leave the gym, you can do these six exercises. It'll be very practical. But in order for that to make sense, let me clarify the difference between worry and anxiety. Uh, Overwhelming worry, if you look at those two words, how do you read those two words? Likely, you're seeing worry is overwhelming, right? But what if we could change the meaning Instead of worry overwhelming you, you overwhelm worry. That's what we are interested in in this series. So I want to draw a distinction between worry and anxiety. Worry occurs in your head. Anxiety really occurs in your bodies. In other words, it goes from your brain to your body. And actually, uh, worry is not a problem. And did you know that God designed your anatomy to worry. In the very center of your brain is a thing called the amygdala. And when you see something that's dangerous or frightening, that kicks in your fight or flight response. It's a gift of God that you have a certain level of fear, a certain level of worry. The problem is when worry becomes worrisome, it goes from your brain to your body. And I wanna I want list several physical manifestations that people often feel because of anxiety. But before I list them, I want you to be able to self-diagnose where are you on the spectrum of head to heart, from brain to body. And I'm, I'm just suggesting that if you experience two or more of these physical symptoms for a week or more, your worry is worrisome. You ready to self-diagnose? Here's one of the manifestations: is an elevated heart rate. You know, there's some people who go to the emergency room and say, "I'm having a heart attack," and, and they hook them up to an EKG, and they're not having a heart attack. Like there's nothing wrong with them. It's the anxiety is triggering a physical response. That's a problem, or a change in diet suddenly you start eating more than you normally do or not eating what you normally do. A change of diet is a trigger in your body that anxiety has moved from your head uh, down to your heart. Uh, inability to relax. <laughs> Just a warning, I've had this since I was 12. So part of it is personality, and it's not a problem it's a part of your personality. It's if it's a change in your behavior. For some of you it would be ir- irritability. Maybe you've had that since you were seven. Okay, that could be personality-based. But if it's a change, it's a warning sign that your body is giving you. Or insomnia, or fatigue, or headaches, or muscle tension, difficulty swallowing, or trembling or twitching, digestive problems. Now look at the list. Do you have two or more of these symptoms for a week or more Your worry is worrisome. A second clarification I want to give about worry and anxiety is that worry, worry is specific, whereas anxiety is vague. So for example, if you're you're heading out of town, you're driving to the airport, you're running late, you're just flying down the freeway because your worry is specific. I worry that I will miss my flight. That's specific. If you get in the seat of the airplane and all of a sudden your heart starts to palpitate because you have a fear of flying, that's not specific. That is anxiety. And most phobias, whether it's snakes or spiders or the dark, are these like vague worries. And the danger of anxiety that is vague is that you cannot fight it because it's a ghost. It's like boxing a shadow, you can never land a blow because it's not specific enough for you to deal with. Now, even as I say that, I I just wanna caution, some of you have a higher level of worry than others. Again, that's personality based, biologically based. It's not that there's something wrong with you right now. Some of you are Tigger, others of you are Eeyore. I lean more towards a, a Tigger. I'm married to someone who has a higher level of worry than I do. And some of you are like that and you go, yeah, she worries too much or he worries too much. And the other party's going, it's not worry, it's concern. It's caution. You can spin it however you want to. Some people just have have more of a, a higher set point for worry. And I will tell you, sometimes it frustrates me that my wife is more cautious than me. For example, we're watching this TV show and there's these people who were parasailing off of a sheer ice cliff it was, it was so dangerous. And simultaneously, I, like we're watching this and at the same time she said, that is so stupid. I said, that is so awesome. And she's like, no, you cannot do that. What a buzzkill. But her being a buzzkill often keeps me from being killed, so there you go. We're not talking about personality traits. We're talking about changes in personality that can rob you of the joy of the moment because of a future potential negative consequence. And that's when worry becomes worrisome. So how do you know if it's just your personality or if it actually is an anxiety disorder? Very simply, if you have two physical symptoms for more than a week, your worry is worrisome. How do I know? I'm gonna be the first to raise my hand in this series and say I have had a mental health issue. How do I know? Because I had a headache in July and August. I didn't have headaches in July and August. I had one headache that lasted all of July and all of August. That's a sign that I am under anxiety. And I actually know precisely where my anxiety was coming from. My personality is I'm I'm a performer. I'm also I love being helpful to people. So when the church was not meeting in person, eventually it wore me down because I wasn't getting the feedback of being helpful for others. And it just got in my head and it went from my head down to my body and I'm almost through the headache now. There's just slight like congestion in my left temple. I care, and I know where it comes from, right here. Right there is where I hold my tension. And so for these couple months, I kept doing this, trying to loosen it up, and my wife would say, stop doing that. I would say, why would I stop doing that, it's helpful. Apparently not, because I wasn't dealing with the issue at hand. So I'll tell you, I have been leaning into a story in the Bible, I wanna share it with you. It's a story about two sisters that deal with the mental health issue of anxiety. Uh, Their names are Mary and Martha. Now Martha, I get, because like me, she's a performer. And she gets her self-esteem by performing and serving others, it's a good motivation, but it has a negative consequence. So the background of the story is this. Mary and Martha lived in a little suburb of Jerusalem. It's about two miles away. Jesus has been in Jerusalem for the past week because he was attending the Feast of Tabernacles. Seven day long feast, five times in seven days, the religious leaders attempted to arrest and assassinate Jesus. High tension. Of course, Mary and Martha, they live in the neighborhood, they know the tension, they've heard the rumors. And I can't prove this, but my guess is they kept sending invitations to Jesus. Look, I know the tensions are high, why don't you come to our house? We'll throw a banquet for you and you can have a little private R&R. It'll be great. We'll, we'll serve you a meal. Bring the apostles. I know there's 12, but we can handle it. It is gonna be a great, a great time of just rest for you. And Jesus finally said yes. From that moment, Martha kicked into high gear. Some of you know what this is like because you're married to one of these. Like They're, they're phenomenal hostesses when the guests arrive. Prior to that, they're just demon-possessed. <laughs> and she is scurrying for all of the you know, the menus and the hors d'oeuvres and we're gonna get some Mogan David, it's the best we've got, and we're gonna, we're gonna have some hummus, we'll use my aunt's recipe, this is a great hummus recipe, and the lamb, oh the lamb, forget about it. So <clears throat> the boys finally arrive, and I want you to see what happened in this encounter. As it comes from Luke chapter 10 as Jesus and the disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said. Now, I don't know if you know this, this is a problem because she's a woman. And she's sitting as a student of a rabbi in a culture where women were to be seen but not heard. No rabbi ever let a woman follow him and sit as a student until Jesus. And so Martha is still has all of these preparations to do because she's scurrying about going from the kitchen to the dining room, trying to serve the, this group of people who are there. And her sister, I can't prove this, but likely Mary was the younger sister because she's acting irresponsibly. I didn't have sisters, so what would I know? Anyway, the two of them are there, and Martha is just getting more and more upset. And you can just imagine she goes from the kitchen to the dining room, the kitchen to the dining room, and when she comes into the dining room, it's all smiles. Hi, everybody doing okay? Don't you love that hummus? It was my aunt's recipe. Do you need some more more wine in your, your glass? How's the cushion? Do I need to fluff it up? Are you okay? She's taking care of everybody, but the smile is a thin veil for the anxiety and the rage that's building in her. And with every trip from kitchen to dining room, kitchen to dining room, she's getting more and more worked up until finally she bursts into the dining room and verbally vomits on Jesus. Here's what she says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is an interesting word, left. Literally, it means abandoned. A little melodramatic, right? She abandoned me. And you would expect, because Jesus clearly will support a traditional Judeo-Christian work ethic, that he would turn to Mary and say, that's right, get up and help your sister. Do do your responsibility. Fulfill your role as a woman. He doesn't. Rather, what he says, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) now that little (laughs) it's not in English it's in the Greek no it's not (laughs) but it should be you are anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her this is our problem not that we are doing bad things but we're doing good things in an unhealthy way. Because we're concerned about so many things. And they're not bad things. You're concerned about your job, about your budget. You're concerned about the election. You're, concern, you're concerned about your health. You're concerned about your health care. You're concerned about civil unrest. You're concerned about your kids. We have all of these concerns. But there's really only one thing. That is the most necessary concern. You get that one thing right, and everything else will be put into perspective. It won't solve all your problems, but it will be put in perspective, and you can lower your anxiety. Until you find yourself at Jesus' feet, you will not find rest for your soul. But once you are there at Jesus' feet, everything else is put in perspective. Yeah, there's still dishes. Yeah, there's still a job. Yeah, there's still COVID. Yeah, there's still an election. But when you see Jesus for who he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords, you can rest. But until Jesus is your one thing, you will be susceptible to everything. Mary's chosen the better. It will not be taken away from her. And I get Martha, I I know what Martha is doing and how she's justifying her behavior. She's serving everybody, right? Isn't that right to serve other people? Isn't that like Jesus, to serve other people? Here's the problem. I've done this, so have you. You serve other people, not to meet their need, but to meet your own emotional need. That's why I had a headache in July and August. I wasn't able to serve to get my emotional needs met. This is interesting, this Greek word for anxiety can also be translated as care or cares. And it's the same range of meaning as our English word care. You can care for other people. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna summarize all the New Testament theology of this anxious word, you ready? It, it'll be pretty short. Every time the word anxious or care is used for caring for others, it's a good thing. Husbands care for their wives, that's a good thing. Paul cared for his churches, that's a good thing. But as soon as your care turns inward, it turns toxic. As soon as your care turns inward, it turns toxic. So what what were people anxious about in the New Testament? So the same thing you're anxious about. Your, your economics, your 401k, your house, your mortgage, your job. When your care turns inward, it turns toxic. A second thing that they were concerned about is their own reputation. Whether people would recognize how good they were when they prayed or when they gave uh, offerings or when they fasted. And Jesus said, do that in private because your Father in heaven sees you. He cares for you. And I just want you to know, we see you. You are not alone. There's help. And when you get that, you can release the rest. So Martha's problem was that she was serving everybody else so that they could see how well she served. That, at least, was the source of my anxiety. I suspect some of you, this is resonating with you as well. So what can we do when our concerns move from our brains to our bodies. I I wanna offer six suggestions. You ready? Since anxiety begins in your body, let's start with what you can do with your body. And this is super simple, everybody can do it, even right now, if you're sitting in a chair, you can do it. You can breathe. You say, well, I've been breathing. Like since I was born, I've been breathing. What are you talking about? Actually, most of us breathe incorrectly. There's shallow breathing and there's deep breathing and you can tell the difference. Just do this, Put, uh, put your hand on your chest, put your other hand on your belly, and we're gonna breathe properly. When you have shallow breathing, you feel it in your shoulders. Deep breathing is in your belly. So I'm gonna show you an exercise that a therapist showed me. It's a deep breathing exercise, it's four, seven, eight. We're gonna breathe in our nose for a count of four, Hold it for a count of seven and breathe out for a count of eight. Ready? You can do this with me. You got your hands up and down. Your lower hand should move. Here we go. Four. Does that feel good? How long should you do that? Your, your Fitbit gives you a two minute option, gives you a five minute option. How long should you do it? until you feel your body relax. Your bodies are designed by God to respond quickly to deep breathing to release the anxiety. Here's the second thing we can do is self-care. What do you mean by self-care? Well, it's kind of what your mama told you. Eat right, sleep well. Now, I, I would love to tell everybody, you need to sleep eight hours a night, so go sleep eight hours a night. You need to eat like keto, so go do that immediately. Not gonna happen, I get that. So let me offer you three suggestions for self-care that you can actually potentially do (laughs) and today. Number one, it's gonna surprise you, take a nap. When you are anxious, one of the most spiritual things you can do is just take a nap, man, you're grumpy. Sleep it off. Second thing, Again, I'm not going to ask you to change your diet (laughs) because I haven't even convinced myself to eat keto. But here's what you can do. If you are experiencing, if you're the one in two that's experiencing a high level of anxiety, you need to immediately stop two chemicals from going into your body. One is alcohol and the other is caffeine. Both of those are fuel for anxiety. Cut it out. Here's the third thing that you should cut out at least for a few days. We've studied this enough to know that there is a parallel track of your level of anxiety and your engagement with social media. So if you're spun up right now, I would just encourage you, fast from social media and talk radio and news, fast for three days. Wait a minute, that would be... Yeah, you're not helping yourself. We need to care for our body, we need to care for our soul. And by soul, the Bible describes that as the seat of your emotions. It's even the seat of your mental capacity. Uh, And so your thoughts, your emotions are all slung up in this word soul. So one exercise you can do is to control and release, control and release. At the core of anxiety is a feeling of being out of control. And that's why we get anxious because I can't control everything. But look, we all know you can't control everything. So here's a simple exercise. Write on a piece of paper, left column, what you can control, right column, what you can't control. Release the right column and take responsibility to control the left column. Oh, what do I mean? Well, for example, if your marriage is struggling and a lot are right now, part of it is, is COVID, part of it is just living life, what we first want to control is our spouse hello you you can't control your spouse but we try you know what you can control the way you talk to your spouse and what we tend to do is try to control what we can't control and we don't control what we can control it's backwards or the election you can't control the election what you can do is go out and vote Control what you can control, release the rest. You can't control whether you get a promotion or whether you get fired. You cannot control that. You can get to work on time. And you can work hard all day. Control what you can control, release what you can't. Number four, be thankful. Therapists tell us that thankfulness is kryptonite to anxiety. And it's a simple exercise and it's free. All of you can do it today. I know some families that they actually have a thankful board in their house, like a whiteboard or a chalkboard, and everyone in the family has to write one thing they're thankful for every day. This has a disproportionate benefit emotionally, mentally, and physically. It costs almost nothing for you to do it. Be thankful. And in fact, this is not new advice. This is at least 2,000 years old. Listen to this passage from Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You you might recall last year we did a whole series called Anxious for Nothing. This is the advice, be thankful. Now, we take care of our bodies, we take care of our souls, next we need to take care of our spirits. This is where our will resides. This is the spiritual part of us that connects with God, and because we are spiritual beings, one of the things we can do is talk to yourself. What, that seems so weird. Actually not, if you go to counseling, often the counselor will assign you a journal to write down your thoughts. You think, well, that's new. No, it's at least 3,000 years old. There's a poem in Psalm 42:5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Your spirit is talking to your soul. Your mind is talking to your emotions. If you listen to your heart, you will have anxiety. If you talk to your heart, you will be calm. Why, O downcast, my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So this tells us we're not just talking to ourselves, but at some point we turn and we talk to God. That's the final exercise that we can do. And again, Christians have an advantage in prayer over every other religion because Jesus taught us to talk to God as Father. He cares for you. And the God that we worship and the God that we serve counts the hairs on our head. For me, I don't take that much of his time. (laughs) But he, he knows every issue of your life. And he is more concerned about you than you are about yourself. We've already read this passage, but listen to it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's actually three words here for prayer. Prayer, petition, request. Give it to God. And one of the ways that Christians have always spoken to God is through music. We sing our prayers. And these prayers come from all kinds of different people and all kinds of walks of life. One of the most beloved hymns ever was written by Horatio Spafford he was a real estate investor in Chicago, also an attorney, and in the fire of 1871, his vast holdings were decimated. About the same time, his four-year-old son, only son, died from scarlet fever. And the family was just rocked. He said, what we need is a vacation. We need, to, we need to, as a family, get out of town. So he took his wife and four daughters, put them on a boat for England to rest. He had some business to finish up and he was gonna follow them shortly afterwards. But the ship they were on collided with another ship and it sank. 200 people on board that ship lost their lives, including all four of Horatio's precious daughters. When his wife got to England, she sent him a telegram that simply said, saved alone, what shall I do? He jumps on the next ship and asks the captain, when we get to the spot of the accident, would you please get me? It was the middle of the night and he stood there staring into the blackened grave of his daughters. He penned these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. We've been singing that for over 100 years, bringing comfort to people's hearts. And we want to do that right now. Our music team has written a song. It's called Breathe. It's kind of a modern rendition of It Is Well With My Soul. And as we sing this over you, would you allow it to be your prayer to God? Talk to God about your anxiety. Lay your concerns before him. During the song, somehow find your way to the feet of Jesus so that that one thing can reduce anxiety for everything. Let's worship together.